book of Proverbs, chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4, and then also, if you want to get the next place, that would be John 14. Two verses, two places, passages there I want to look at. Proverbs 4 and John 14. We started a series a few weeks ago called Matters of the Heart. Um, uh, I'm convinced regarding this truth that it'll change the course of our lives if we'll put it into practice, if we'll do the right thing with it. And that's my heart, it's my desire to lift everybody up. Don't want you going out of here with your ha- head hanging low, but going out of here with your, your head lifted high, your shoulders back, you feel confident, walking in the blessings of God, knowing the voice of God, because He's talking to you every day. He's leading you in what to do and what to say and where to go. And uh, isn't that a good, good place to be? Your, your Father loves you, you know. He loves you so very much, independent of anything you've done or haven't done. He loves you anyway. And by His Spirit, He's leading us into the fullness of His blessings. And uh, praise God. Uh, Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23 reads, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Uh, out of what? Key word there? Out of your heart. We're talking about the inward part of us. We're talking about not the outward, but the inward, the spirit and the the soul, both parts of you combined. Uh, We're talking about the the heart. Uh, The NIV reads, above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. That's quite an outstanding statement because there's no, you know, beating around a bush here. It's, he said, everything you do. Everything you do flows from this. And then the NLT reads, uh, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. And so if we want to go a certain direction, it just makes pretty logical sense then that we would identify that place we want to be, meaning what our lives, what we desire our lives to be like, and we would uh, take those things, those elements, and put them inside of us. Okay, we'll get into more of that later on how, how, how we can do that. But we, we need that desired end goal to be in here. And if it is, your heart will begin to work night and day to make it happen. God created us to this very end. And so we can predict even our future. We can identify what is to come by what we are investing on our inside today okay now when a person sees the different shapes that their heart can take on it is much easier to identify the things that we should guard against and again the scripture said here above everything else guard your heart guard it protect it watch out don't let don't just let anything in there that comes down to down to pike you need to guard your heart so if i know what my heart can look like both good and bad then i can say hey i'm not going to let that in here i'm not going to focus on that i'm not going to dwell on that i'm not going to let that be inside of me but right on the other hand i see this this is desirable this is good this is godly this is a a, a, a wonderful thing i am going to focus on that and let those things let those elements be a part of who i am all right we were sharing with you last week a little bit about this contrast between what the scriptures call the the humble heart versus the proud heart and if a person uh, allows themselves to have a proud heart, there's a lot of negatives associated with that. 
All right, but right on the other hand, we know that God exalts the humble, doesn't he? And so if we can adjust the condition of our inward being so that we reflect the character and nature of God's humility, then he can take us somewhere. All right, there is a desired end to that heart condition, whereas there is a very undesirable end to the, to the proud hearts. Okay, today, and now I want to look at John 14. I want to share with you a bit about what the Lord Jesus said here concerning the troubled and fearful heart. All right? There is a condition, and it's identified as a troubled heart. Or, it goes kind of along with it, it's called a fearful heart. We don't want that. Does anybody want that? Uh, Some might have that, and you're okay, stay here, because we can get rid of it before you leave. All right? But there is a condition that a lot of people live with, and it's the reason they're going down the path they are. It's the reason they're getting their lunch eaten every day by life and by the world and by the devil, because they have a troubled and fearful heart. Now let's see what Jesus said. John chapter 14 and verse 27. He said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Alright, so let's notice the language here. First of all, if he's giving peace in a different way than the world does, how would, how does that happen? How does the world give peace? Well, it just goes like this. It is peace that is based upon circumstance. It is conditioned upon everything going right in your life. And if things go wrong, if things fall apart, if, there, if a crisis comes to an individual, well, then it is disrupted. It's no longer effectual. You go right into crisis problem. You go right into that disappointment. You go right into that trouble and fear because of the reality of what happened to you. All right? But the, the peace that Jesus is talking about is so very powerful... It produces within us an ability to not let our heart be troubled and to not be afraid. It contains within it the the divine ability to move past that heart condition. Everybody with me today? Okay. Uh, The world, like I said, does it the wrong way. But Jesus gives us something that will allow us to overcome. Amen. Now, when you think about the peace he's given us, um, many are familiar with the Hebrew word for peace. It's, it's the word shalom. Ever heard the word shalom? Sometimes used as a greeting, but it's much more powerful than just a greeting. It has to do with soundness and wholeness and completion. It has to do with there's nothing absent. There's nothing nothing missing. missing. There's nothing broken in a person. And Jesus is saying, I'm giving you my peace. And that will enable you to deal with this discouragement. It will enable you to deal with this uh, this troubled and and fearful heart. Okay? Now, that one thing that really stands out to me, and I notice in this, is if my heart is troubled, or if it's fearful, that's up to me. 
In fact, Jesus gave this really in a command form. He said, don't you allow this to happen inside of your own heart. You do not allow yourself to be troubled or to be afraid. You see that? You see how that's up to a person? Uh, You know, an individual might say, well, if you've gone through what I've gone through, if you've experienced what happened to me, if you had to deal with what I had to deal with growing up as a child and, or, or, or presently in my life, then you would understand. You'd be afraid too. Well, that's a, valid, that's a valid point and worthy of discussion. But you know what? I think that's the very reason Jesus said this. The very reason Jesus said, do not be troubled and do not be afraid, is because He knew. He knew that people would go through and deal with some junk and some stuff in life that would cause them to have a troubled heart or a fearful heart. Are you listening to me now? So we shouldn't ever go there and say, well, you'd understand if you, under, if you knew what I've gone through. Okay, may not, I may not know, but Jesus knew it was a real strong possibility. In fact, he knew there would be some very troublesome things happen to individuals. So he told us, this is how you respond to it. This is how you must deal with this. You refuse to be troubled by it. You refuse to be afraid. Now, I recognize that, that, that some in their life have had a really messed up foundation, like a home that didn't get the foundation right and it's not going to last a long time. There are people who have come to the Lord legitimately. They've been born again. They're in the family of God. But some of the things they were told right after they got saved made it hard for them. And some of you, are, you're having to deal with this. Uh, it's why I made this CD for our, our, our growth track. It's called a mind repair kit. Because a lot of people come and they receive the Lord and they're happy. They're going to heaven, but their thinking is way wrong. It is severely messed up. And here's one of the things that, that, that people unfortunately have been told. They said, well, you've received the Lord. You know, you're going to heaven. You're saved and so forth. But what happens in your life now, you can control whether you're going to lie or tell the truth, whether you're going to go to church or not. You can control some of these things. But outside of that, you pretty much can't control what's going to happen in your life. And and I'm telling you, that's so wrong. And people, their strength is sapped. Their ability to overcome is taken away by, by this belief that whatever happens to you is somehow in God's plan and God's design. When He created us to stand our ground, He created us to resist the devil and He would flee from us. He said, you will speak to your mountain and it will be cast into the sea. See, there are some real important truths that people have been left, they feel helpless. And this is one of them right here. That if I have a troubled heart, I don't need to pray for God to take it away or just hope that He might in His good will and omnipotent plan somehow do it. No, He said, you have power over this. You have an authority within your own being to resist a troubled heart and you do not have to be afraid. See, this should bring great hope. This should bring great confidence that no matter what has happened or potentially what will ever happen, I have the peace of God, this tangible God-level ability to overcome these circumstances. 
See, we don't have to be emotion-led Christians. And unfortunately, many are. And all of us have been tempted to be. Just kind of ride the roller coaster of life. Things are going well. Woohoo! God is good. When things are not going well, well, you know, it's a whole pray for me. You know, and it's just a, it's just a roller coaster. But we're just, we're supposed to be spirit led, word led, not emotion led. Not just up and down. I know we have the feelings that come to us. But again, we are to take tangible resources like the peace of God that Jesus gave us. And we can use it and we can shape our inward being with it. So that it will repel feelings of trouble and feelings of fear. It literally will do that. Stuff will start bouncing off of you once your heart is in the right condition. Hallelujah. And so, I was looking up, uh, up some of these words. Well, let me back up a minute. I want to give you this verse. John sixteen thirty three. Jesus said, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Again, the language and how Jesus phrased his words there, he said, Be of good cheer. That's a command. You like it? Now, I know you don't like it if a whole lot of people come up to you and tell you that, if you're not feeling very on top of your game. But let's just take it from the Lord Jesus so we don't have an opportunity to be offended with one another. Jesus said, get happy about this. Be of good cheer. That's a command. He told you, be, be of good cheer. Yeah, but yeah, but no, no, no. Be of good cheer. And like it. Amen. That's what he said. So if he told me to do it, I must have the ability to comply. Even if I have to get little toothpicks and... I have the ability to comply with that. You have the ability to be in a good mood all the time. To be of good cheer all the time. It's there. We may not be accessing it, but it is there. Amen. I was looking up some of these words like uh, troubled and be afraid. You know, to be troubled means to to stir or agitate. Uh, People get troubled. They're always... Agitated, but what's the what's the the solution? Peace. You can have it. Peace, calmness. To be afraid also means uh, to be timid. You ever feel like you're backing down from everything in life, not taking the bull by the horns, backing down? You're timid uh, when it comes to people and situations. Well, the solution here again is is we don't have to be that way. We can resist that. Now. What, what can we do? I, I know some of the language I, I like to use, and it's scriptural. It's just do it. Just do it. Just act that way. And someone might say, okay, I'll do it. Um, I, yes, I'll do that. But I still feel this. How do we deal with these things on a practical level? How, how can we address trouble in our heart or fear in our heart? Uh, my attention was drawn to a, a guy in the Old Testament named David or King David. Remember, he was the second king of Israel. There was Saul and then there was David. And there was a period there where David was on the run, and uh, meaning from Saul. And I, I want to share a couple of these situations with you, but one of them uh, happened. He's with his group 
and their families and their kids. They were at a place called Zik, uh, Z- Ziklag, Z- Zip, uh, Zip Tie. <laughs> you know that place. It's in First Samuel chapter 30. And, uh, and anyway, they, the, all the guys were out one day and these, uh, their camp was raided by some bad people. Took all their kids, took their, all, took their wives, took all their stuff, and burned the place. And when they got back, that was, what, that was their home. How many know that could ruin your day? I don't know if we can fully you know, feel the emotion of the moment when all these guys got back. But this was heavy duty. Even all these warrior guys, you know what they're doing? They're bawling their brains out. I mean, they just lost everything. They lost their kids are gone. They don't know. I mean, they're just not, they're just not there. And all their stuff is gone. And this is a bad day. <laughs> if you've ever had a bad day, this is a bad day. And uh, as after they got done crying, they started looking at David. And they said, let's throw rocks at him. Let's throw, we want to take this guy out. He's our leader. He let this happen. It's your fault. They were ticked off at David. So everyone was having a bad day. David was having a bad day. But he was having a really bad day because everyone turned on him. And here's what he did. Okay, it's 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse 6. Now David was greatly distressed. For the people spoke of stoning him. Because the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Now, now, now stop for a moment. That might seem like, oh yeah, cool, he strengthened himself. That probably wasn't real easy. He was feeling it. But what did he do? He strengthened himself. Now consider what that means. He's not talking about, hey, you know what? I'm kind of weak. I need to, I need to do some, lift some weights. I need to get pumped up, strengthen myself, get my strength back. Is he talking about that? He's not talking about getting his physical being stronger. He's talking about what we're talking about. He strengthened himself inwardly. He dealt with the inward part of his being. And he made that strong. Think about that. He made his inward parts, his heart, strong. He encouraged himself. He strengthened himself. Why would you do that? Because if you don't take care of business inwardly, you'll never handle things outwardly. If we respond to every crisis situation just with external activity, we are not going to overcome. We have to deal with it on the inside. And if we'll get strong in our hearts, we can handle anything because out of it proceed the issues of life. And again, if we can somehow put our, ourselves in this mindset, in this condition that David was in, this was tough. But he did this. Look with me at Psalm 57. Psalm 57. You see, we'll get to that in a minute, but David would never have done what he did next if he hadn't strengthened his heart first. And you know what he did next? First he strengthened himself. Then he prayed and got direction as to what he should do next. 
And the Lord told them exactly what to do. And they went after that, that group that, that did that to them. And they retrieved all their kids, all their family, their wives, all their stuff. They got everything back. Think about it. I mean, it's the best possible scenario that, that could happen in that situation. They got the best outcome. But David at one point, he's not only totally discouraged himself and hurting himself, everyone is against him, but this one act of strengthening himself ended up with everything being turned around. Now, does, it, does everything get turned around for everybody all the time? I would have to say no. But I would also have to say, does everyone respond to what happens negatively like this? That would be my question. Is everybody strengthening themselves when they run into a crisis situation? And too often, we don't. We respond the wrong way, and therefore the bad thing continues to eat us up, and we stay defeated. I'm telling you, situations can be turned around, but they have to be turned around from the inside out. Hallelujah. Now, David had a situation. It's just a few chapters before that in 1 Samuel 24. Again, Saul was king. Saul was a, being a rascal. So God decided to replace him with David. The, the prophet prophesied over him, poured the oil on him. David was anointed king, but Saul was still there. All right? And uh, I don't know if you've ever had a situation where you felt like God dealt with you, that you were supposed to be in a certain place and hold a certain position and do something, but someone else was there. Here's good biblical advice. Don't get involved with removing them. If God gave you that place, and if God told you you're supposed to be there and this is what He's called you to do, you let God bring that to pass. That's the honorable way. We don't get involved in trying to bring someone else down. Okay, that's the world's way of thinking. All right. But David in this situation, uh, he was on the run. And Saul was chasing him, trying to kill him. Saul had this, I mean, he had thousands of, of troops at his disposal. And they go after David, trying to kill him. David's hiding from, from Saul. Anyway, one day, David and his group, they went in this cave. And they're camping out in, inside this cave. And Saul's group came near. And uh, apparently Saul had to go. And so, you know what I mean, go? All right. The Bible says it tactfully to relieve himself. I think it says that. Something like that. He had to wee-wee. Uh, <laughs> and uh, they're in the back of the cave. And then Saul goes in the cave to do his business. And in the midst of that... The David's guys are saying, hey, this is God. This is our opportunity. We take him out now, you are king tomorrow. And he would have been. And so these guys are saying, this is God doing this. Let's take this guy out. And, and David snuck up. I don't know how this was all, all looked, but David went up there and he cut the corner off of Paul's, uh, Saul's uh, garment. And he had this piece of his, his clothing, and he went back and had that, and he, his heart was smitten when he did that. See, David had a relationship with God, and Saul was still God's anointed. He said, I'm not supposed to do him any harm, even though the guy's asking, acting like a rascal. 
But he had this. And then when Saul went out with his group, after a bit, David went out there and yelled out after him. And started talking to him and saying, hey, you're believing the wrong people here, dude. You know, you're believing lies. He said, look at this. I could have taken you out today. But my heart is this. I will not harm you. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going not to do you any harm. And then Saul changed temporarily and had a, you know, kind moment. But how did David get to that place? He's dealing with a lot of junk. But yet he's so honorable and does the right thing. He could have relieved all of his problems with one swoop to the neck. But he didn't do it. But he did write a song about it. And it helps us to see and understand what he was thinking. In Psalm 57, I want to read verse verse 7. Psalm 57, verse 7. He said, my heart, this is King James Bible, my heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. Now, if you read the context, this is, this is during that time of this event. So we know he's talking about this. He said, my heart is fixed or steadfast. It's been set to be a certain way. I'm going to glorify you. I'm going to praise you. But he set his heart. What happens when you set your heart? You then set the course of your life. Because everything you do proceeds from the heart. You're, you're setting your future when you set your heart to think and act and be a certain way. If we're just dealing with this stuff from the outside, we're going to fail. But if we deal with stuff inwardly, then this is what, what happens. Before you are in... Any kind of crisis situation, fix your heart. Fix it. What do you mean fix it? Establish it. Get it settled. Before. Someone said, well, everything's fine in my life right now. Good, this is a good time to do it. Because later, you won't want to. But now do it. Fix it. Get it established. There are certain, certain things that are going to govern my thinking, my behavior, my actions. I'm going to set those in place right now, even if there's nothing going wrong. David had already fixed his heart on what he would, on how he would conduct himself in the presence of Saul. He already decided that. And that's why he acted the way he did. Years ago, uh, when I was ministering to youth, I would, uh, I would frequently speak to them about relationships. Speak about, you know, dating and sex and all this kind of stuff and how they could, could and how they ought to conduct themselves in a godly way. And, one of the things um, that I would talk to them about repeatedly was this. I say, I would tell them, if you wait until you're in the heat of the moment and passions are stirring and hormones are raging and everything is going on, you're going to make the wrong choice. You're, gonna, you're not going to be honorable towards that person nor honorable towards God's plan for your life. You're going to be in the sack when you shouldn't be. But, if you will decide here and now, and not only decide, but then do those things which follow through with that, then when the heat of the moment comes, when the temptation is really strong, your heart will already be fixed to to act a certain way. Amen. 
And it's true with all the things that we deal with. We wait too late. We wait till the moment. We wait till we're in the heat of the battle. And then often make the wrong choice. And if David had done that at Ziklag, if he hadn't taken time to get settled and get established and get strengthened, they wouldn't have gotten everything back. If he hadn't fixed his heart on before God as to how he would treat Saul in any situation, in this situation, Saul would have been taken out and David would have dealt with the situation dishonorably. Okay? People do evil because they don't prepare their heart to seek the Lord. There's a verse uh, in 2 Chronicles chapter 12. It's verse 14 about a guy named Rehoboam. Rehoboam was a king who did a lot of bad stuff, one of the kings of Israel. And it, it, it said that, that he did evil because he did not prepare his heart to seek the Lord. Why did he do evil? It goes back to the heart. Well, I just made a wrong decision, just made a wrong choice. No, 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 no. Made a wrong, and wrong decision, made a wrong choice because prior to that decision and to that choice, the heart was not fixed to seek the Lord. See, these times that we have, even now, we can make decisions. We can train our inward being so that uh, we are totally ready for anything that comes our way. This is heart training here. This is shaping, molding. This is getting something set in concrete. And when we do business intentionally with, with our hearts, we are ready for stuff that comes our way. But if we don't take the time to deal with stuff, we're just, we're just unprepared. I hope this is helping. Uh, many today live in fear of so many things. And Jesus said, don't you do that. Don't you let your heart be afraid. But they do. People are, are afraid of being alone. They're afraid of being without People are afraid of suffering. Some are afraid of disease. Afraid of accidents. So, you know, there are individuals that won't, they won't fly. They won't get in an airplane because they're afraid of a crash. Or some won't get in a car. They won't drive. I mean, you take this to the extreme. And there are people that won't leave their house. And there are people that live that way. And it's tragic. What have they done? They've let their heart become afraid. And if you let that go into any area of your life, what it does is it paralyzes you. It freezes you from taking action. It freezes you and you won't be successful. You won't, quote, take chances in life because you're just the fear of failure. Jesus said, don't let your heart be that way. See, he has a job for us to do and he can't have a church that's full of fear, full of trouble. They're so anxious all the time and our inward parts are not right. No, he said... Don't let yourself be that way. You take this peace I'm giving to you and you apply it to your life and you let it dominate your thinking. If you pay attention to enough experts today telling you how everything can go wrong, how many know you can be pretty overcome with, well, the air is killing us, the water is killing us, our food is killing us, and if you stay on that long enough, you can't do anything because you're dead. Right? I mean, you can live to that extent. And your people are afraid to eat this and that. And, 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 and not in any kind of just normal, sane way, but extreme. 
What are they doing? They're letting their hearts be afraid. How are they doing that? By paying too much attention to people telling you everything that can go wrong. Hmm. I mean, I, I think it makes sense. And if we have the logical argument, I would tend to agree with a lot of individuals that talk about the nutrition of our food and how our soil is depleted and, and how you know it doesn't have the nutritional value as before and that, that has spurred on the organic food movement and all this stuff. And, and I would tend, when I hear the, the logic of it, I think, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense to do that. But I know this, if you go down that road too far... What happens when the only thing you have to eat at the moment is not organic? Huh? What happens? I'll tell you what happens. Your heart gets afraid. Inside, you get concerned. I'm putting something in me that's going to harm me. And I'm telling you, the food is not going to harm you so much as your fearful heart is going to harm you. And you can follow any of these paths and go too far down there and you'll no longer have a confidence inside that God is going to take care of you. That everything's going to be okay. Hallelujah. And I don't know, I just think, how far do we want to go with some of these warnings? When are we just going to be at peace and trust God? I like what Paul wrote to Timothy when he told him, it's 1 Timothy 1.7, he said, For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. No fear. That's not the spirit God gave us. Powerful spirit. Power, love, sound mind. That's who you are. Do you, do you good to meditate on that and think about that and say it a couple hundred times. And, and, and be, be, be stirred up on the inside as to who... God has created you to be. And then, I love this, Isaiah 26 and verse 3. It reads, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. All right. Who's in perfect peace? Jesus gave us peace. Who's in perfect peace? Those whose minds are stayed on him, not on how this food's going to kill me. On how, hey, there's this high of percentage that if you're on the road, you're going to get an accident. Not, not, not filled with the, the mindset of all the potential problems that might be, that could be, and probably will be. If you think about it long enough. But if our minds are stayed on Him, peace. If our minds are filled with all the possibilities of what could go wrong, even not, and, and again, some of it's legitimate fact. Doesn't matter. For thinking on that, no peace. Heart's troubled. And Jesus said, I'll say it again. Don't you do that. Do not let your heart be troubled. Do not let it be afraid. You can't live that way. We live in a unique time. Because everything bad happening around the world, this is the first time in history we can know about it. It used to be that bad stuff would happen. A lot of bad stuff, and we'd never hear about it. But now you have the potential to fill your heart with so much negativity, so much bad stuff. You could be on it 24-7 and you say, well, it's true. How many know there's a lot of things that are true that we don't need to know? There's a lot of things that are real, they're reality. But if I spend my time pondering it and considering it and watching it and reading it, what's going to be the end result? I'm not going to help the situation. I'm not going to make it any better, but I am going to make my heart worse. 
I am going to shape and mold and form my heart in a condition to where I will live troubled. Man, you ever have that happen to you? Watching the news? And you go away, and if you really sit down and you, and you analyze your own condition, you're troubled right now. I don't know if you ever matched this up with Jesus' words, but I have. And I think, how do I feel right now? Jesus told me not to feel this way. He told me not to. And yet I just did what was necessary to make myself feel that way. So I need to counteract that. I'm not saying you have to cut, cut yourself off from all knowledge of things in the world. Because, hey, maybe you should pray. But most people don't. They just say that. Well, I need to know so we can, I can pray. Well, you're not praying. You're just troubled and afraid. And then you share the bad news with someone else on social media so they can be troubled and they can be afraid too. <laughs> By the time all that's done, everyone's liked it and commented on it and everything else, then uh, there's no time to pray because it's bedtime. <laughs> so you go to bed with a troubled, fearful heart. And that's not the will of God. Amen. And that's a wide open door for us to experience a bunch of bunk and baloney in life. Because out of your heart proceeds all the issues of life. Let me finish up with this. It's the rest of Psalm 57. Did you still, did you stay there? Psalm 57. This is David talking about his experience in the cave with Saul. Remember, he fixed his heart. Verse 8 says, Awake, my glory. Awake, lute and harp. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing to you among the nations for your mercy reaches into the heavens and your truth to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be above all the earth. Now, we might just read through that normally and say, Oh, what a nice song David wrote. What a wonderful psalm. This is what he did to fix his heart so that he would not do the wrong thing when trouble came his way. What did he do? He fixed his heart by worshiping, by praising God, by declaring who God was. And I tell you, if we skip over that stuff, I know there are individuals that you think this way about church. Let's skip the worship because I'm more into the teaching of the Word. Here's the teaching of the Word, worship. Here's the teaching of the Word. Get in the presence of God and declare who He is and what He is in your life because that is establishing your heart in a certain shape. And if we skip over that, we are not ready for the day of crisis. We are not ready for the day of trouble. But if we will do what David did, how, how, can, how can I not be troubled? Well, don't think about troublesome things. So sometimes you can't help it. I agree with that. Sometimes you don't, you don't invite it, it's just there. But what we can help is we can fix our hearts on the Lord. We can set our hearts to seek Him. I'm going to take my time and I'm going to seek the Lord. And I'm going to call on His name. And I'm going to declare that you are good. That your mercy endures forever. That He is exalted. His glory, let it be above all the earth. David did that. That's why he didn't kill Saul. I just wonder, what are we going to kill if we don't do that? What situation are we going to deal wrongly with if we don't take time to talk to the Lord and fix and set our heart to do it? Rehoboam didn't do it and he messed up his life. We could mess up our lives too if we don't. Praise God.